There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39. Remember, last week I told you we were starting a series of messages. And we were going to do a series based upon when God uh, interrupts. When God interrupts. And we're going to look at those places in the Bible where the phrase, but God, or but the Lord, and there are several phrases in that that may be more memorable than others, but we're going to go to try to look at all of them in the Scripture, the but God series, when God interrupts. And I want you to stand, Genesis chapter number 39, and look at verse 20. Now, we're just going to read the tail end portion of what's going on. We're going to preach through actually what's being said in this chapter, but I mainly want to focus on Verse 20 through 23 in chapter 39. Look at what it says. But it said in verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Do you know who that master was? That was Potiphar. You remember the whole scene with Potiphar? Potiphar's wife wanted to have Joseph lie in bed with her, and he refused to do so. And matter of fact, she grabbed his coat and in order to pull her into bed with her, with uh, pull him into bed with her, but he left his coat and he ran away. Well, she made a false accusation. She said that Joseph tried to rape her, and and so now uh, Potiphar, who's who's angry at Joseph for because of the testimony of his wife, the false accusation of his wife, takes Joseph, and that's where we find in verse twenty, Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, and a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Notice verse twenty one. Here's where God interferes. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, uh, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that he and, and that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. We go back to verse twenty-one. But the Lord was with Joseph. You, Joseph, you can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we preach about. But the Lord was with Joseph. God can interrupt our persecution. God can interrupt our persecution. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Father. We thank you for your word. God, your word is empower, powerful. It is inspired, inerrant. God, your Holy Spirit empowers this word to speak to the heart of the believer and the unbeliever. God, we pray that you'd take this word and you'd use it like a hammer, Father, to break the hearts of rebellious, to break the hearts of sinful. But God, we pray you'd use it as a fire to ignite our lives in service for You. Father, we just pray that You do Your will and way, that mysterious thing You do when Your Word is preached. 
God, I don't know where the seed's going to land. I'm just going to throw it where it leads us. Father, you do the work. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you were to visit Boston Commons in Boston, Massachusetts with its graceful, uh, 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 its graceful uh, swan boats, you might be surprised to learn what once happened in Boston Commons uh, uh, hundreds of years ago. In 1651, Obadiah Holmes was arrested for preaching Baptist doctrine in Lynn, nearby Lynn, Massachusetts. He was taken to Boston Commons. He was stripped to the waist. He was tied to a whipping post. And listen to what later he wrote in his journal. As the man began to lay strokes upon my back, I said to the people, Though my flesh should fail, yet God will not fail. So it pleased the Lord to come in and fill my heart and tongue, and with an audible voice I broke forth, praying unto the Lord not to lay this sin to their charge. You know, uh, Obadiah Holmes' suffering that day wasn't for nothing. Matter of fact, it impacted so deeply the heart of Henry Dunster, at that time the president of Harvard University, and led to the organization of Boston's first Baptist church. You see, in this over, the overwhelming feature in our text today and in, in that story of Obadiah Holmes is persecution. Obadiah Holmes was whipped not for doing wrong, but for doing right. You'll find that all through the annals of Christian history that persecution has come upon the church not for doing something wrong, but for doing that which is right. Now the chances of you being taken down to the Walnut Street Bridge and strapped to one of those blue uh, pillars there that hold that bridge up and taking a lashing before all of Chattanooga are pretty slim. <laughs> A lot of us don't have to worry about that. Thank God. They do in China, by the way. They do in Indonesia. They do in Russia. They do in other parts of the world. But we, thankfully, although we take it for granted, are not placed under such chastisement, such persecution. But it is true that all, as 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's going to happen one way or the other. If you live godly, if you live for God, if you take a stand for God, you will suffer persecution. R.C. Ryle said this, The servant of Christ must never be surprised if he has to drink from the same cup of our Lord Jesus. If we being disciples of the Lord Jesus, followers in His footsteps, how in the world do we think we can avoid the very cup of bitterness, the very cup of sorrow and suffering that our very Lord had to drink of Himself? But I want to let you to know that God... So how do we handle this? If, if, if persecution and suffering and slander are going to be a part of our Christian experience, how do we suffer under it? How do we manage it? How do we handle when it comes? You know, there have been many a persecuted, uh, uh, a persecuted potential martyr who has recanted, who has renounced, who has rescinded their faith when coming under a load of persecution. You realize that? 
But not only stories of a great confession, not only stories of great persecution handled properly, where men gave great professions under the weight of persecution, but others have waffled. Others have wobbled under it. How do we become Christians that do not wobble or waffle under persecution? I want to let you know that our text today, that in that we can say, thank God that God can interrupt our persecution. The account of the persecution and slander against, uh, against, brought against Joseph can teach every child of God that they can flourish under persecuting conditions following the three instructions that we have in our text. I'm going to go down them. One, two, three. You need to take them. Put them in your pocket. You're going to need them next week, next year, three months from now. How do you flourish under persecution? When the world and the, the flesh and the devil, when your co-workers target you with fiery darts of persecution, how do you withstand? That's what we're going to teach you about today. So first of all, I want you to see, first of all, we need to have a godly character in the midst of false charges. A godly character in the midst of false charges. Earlier in chapter verse, uh, chapter 39, in verse 7, I want you to turn back in chapter 39, look at verse 7. And it came to pass after these things. Remember what Joseph, he was sold into slavery, brought to Egypt. That's where those things are. The, uh, and he began, he was purchased by Potiphar. Potiphar was a well-to-do Egyptian in that time. And he was purchased as a slave in Potiphar's house. And it came to pass after these things that the master, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not uh, what is with me in this house. And he hath committed all that he hath in my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here is a perfect example of godly character in the midst of false accusation, in the midst of temptation. You know, this uh, account of Joseph, uh, Joseph, there's none more fitting for our lives today where the headlines read, uh, uh, Senator John Edwards is caught in adultery. When we find that Newt Gingrich, who led the charge against Bill Clinton in all those years, he himself, as he do it, as he pointed the finger against Bill Clinton, he himself was involved in, a, in an extramarital affair at the same time. We live in a day where people, people haphazardly uh, treat marriage and treat the covenant of marriage. Here we find a story that is fitting for us today. You see, we find that, uh, that uh, head, uh, headlines are filled with those that slip into the bed of Potiphar's wife, Listen, percentage points of pornography among the people of God are at an all-time peak. This is a story that is applicable to us today. Now, first of all, I want you to see that we see from godly uh, Joseph's character that a godly character renounces sin. He said in verse 8, but he refused. He refused the enticements of Potiphar's wife. He flat-footed said, no. Now, Joseph was probably a man in his late teens, early twenties. 
He was a hot-blooded young man, just like many of us men in here today. Uh, he, he knew, oh, he had the, the same desires, the same God-given urges that men have. He was susceptible to this temptation, and yet he said no. In verse 9, in verse 9, he called it what it is. In verse 9, he said it's wickedness. It's sin. How could I do such a thing? He removed, listen, he renounces sin. He called it wickedness, sin. Don't excuse sin by changing its name. That's what the world wants to do. They want to take adultery and change it to an affair. Lighten the name of it. Make it a little bit more of a pleasant name. They want to take a, a, a pornography and turn it into art and turn it into uh, that which is more acceptable. But God calls it sin. God calls it wickedness. And we ought to renounce it. We are we're not to rename it. I, I think about what Hell, uh, Hiles, uh, Dr. Jack Hiles' mother used to do. Dr. Jack Hiles, I remember him preaching, telling when he was a little boy, his mother would take those magazines that they'd get in the mail and she'd flip through those magazines and she'd find that sensuous, uh, lustful woman on there. And she'd say, Hiles, Hiles, son, this is wicked. This is vile. You should stay away from this woman with the lustful glance. You should stay away from her. She'd come uh, to that page advertising that alcohol and she'd say, it's bad, son. Stay away from it. Get away from it. Don't you ever get involved with that. The same is true. We need to have it done in our day. We need to do that for our children. This is wicked. This will take you to hell. This is fire. Stay away from it. You see, he renounced sin. He called it what it was. It was wickedness. It was sin. That's a godly character. You men in here today that know the Lord Jesus Christ in saving faith, you ought to strive to have a godly character. A godly character that renounces sin. A godly character that remembers the sovereign. Notice what he said in verse 9. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin? Then he said, Against God. Against God. You see, he remembered the sovereign. Those last two words are very telling. It just doesn't stop with a low blow to his employer. Do a little dance in between the sheets while his boss is gone. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with just a, 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 a love triangle of intrigue. No, he said it was an offense against God. It's a sin against God. He remembered there's more to this than a love triangle. There are the eyes of a holy and righteous God that hates immorality, that hates sin, and He will judge sin. He must do so. Or He would be unjust. You see, He had a godly character that renounces sin. He had a godly character that remembers God. When you sneak away on your computer... When you, I, when your eyes are cast down there at the magazine rack, man, you listen to me. God sees that glance. God sees the adultery in your heart. You women at the same time, when you watch them lustful men on them soap operas and them uh, miniseries on TV and those sitcoms in your life, you're doing the same thing. Uh, Jesus said, if you look upon a person to last after them, you've committed adultery already in your heart. You see, he called it what it was and God sees it. He remembered the sovereign. If you want to have godly character, you remember uh, you, you should live in the ever presence of Christ that His eyes are always watching. That He knows when we sin. He knows when we falter. Also, we see not only a godly character renounces sin, a godly character remembers the sovereign. A godly character removes self. Look at verse 12. And she caught Him by the garment, by His garment saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got 
him out. A lot of guys from the jail come to me and they'll say, Brother Ronnie, I got a problem with temptation. Brother Ryan, I got a problem with this sin. It's just so, it's such a pull. It's just such a, uh, such a urge for it. I just can't stay away from it. You want to run from it. Do the Joseph doctrine, I call it. Turn tail and run. You're no match for sin. You're no match for temptation of Satan. You run from it. You get away from it. You see, a surefire way to avoid falling into sin is to run away from it. That's not falling. Uh, uh, that's not the uh, soothing, uh, uh, sensual pleasure treasure. That's a rattlesnake. I'm sure that the, uh, Miss Potiphar here put on her most sensuous garment. I'm sure she did her hair and makeup just right in order to entice that. And I imagine if Joseph would have looked at her, he might have thought there's pleasure in sin for a season. Uh, she's sensual. She's beautiful. But nobody's in the house. No one would know. But instead of seeing a sensual pleasure of treasury, he saw there's a rattlesnake in the corner. Get out of this place. A lot of times we'd do a lot better in our Christian experience if we run from sin. Get away from it. If the, if, the, if the gas station magazine racks bother you, find another gas station. If the magazine racks down at the grocery store, have them send somebody else to the grocery store. Get away from it. If the computer's a problem, turn it off. Jesus said, if thine eye offend thee, cut it off. If thine, eye, if thine hand offend thee, uh, cut it off. You see, we are to take seriously sin. Seriously, rem- sin, uh, a godly character removes self. No doubt, no doubt uh, for a few moments it would be self-gratifying, but the price tag of sin is always too high to pay. Jesus said in Mark 8.34, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. A lot of people will tell you Christianity is a bed of roses and everything ought to go right. And if you're right with God, you ought not to have sick and you won't have a cripple and you won't have uh, problems with your kids. That's not so. We ought to deny ourselves, take up our own self, personal death, and go the way of the cross. Go the way of Jesus Christ. Matthew 29 and 30 says, If thine right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If thine hand offend thee, cut it off. Get serious about sin. Notice also, we've seen a godly character renounces sin. A godly character remembers the sovereign. A godly character removes self. Notice lastly, a godly character still runs in to slander. Notice this. A godly character still runs into slander. What an example of godly character. Joseph did everything right, didn't he? Nobody was there. Nobody would have known it. Yet he did the right thing. He ran out. He got away from that sin. Rattlesnake in the corner. Get out of here. You could, you could not ask for a more righteous and godly response to temptation than this. And yet, He's still accused of and imprisoned for what he completely refused. Listen, you may, you, listen, you may do everything right. You may avoid sin. You may say, how in the world can I do this against a God who's been so good to me, so wonderful to me, he's blessed me, he's saved me, I'm his disciple. And yet at the same time, you could be accused, blind, Reputation, go down the tubes over an accusation. It's exactly what happened to Joseph. He didn't do this, but yet he was charged with exactly the thing that he refused. Just because you did right doesn't mean that you will always come out on top. Hey, listen, I'm telling, listen to me very closely. Just because you do right 
doesn't mean God, you're entitled for everything to go right. A lot of times we get that in our mind. Well, I did the right thing. I do this. I go to church. I pay my tithes. And when, when the kid gets sick, when the kid's in the hospital, when, uh, uh, when the, the job folds, when you can't make ends meet, oftentimes we come to ourselves, well, listen, God, we start talking, God, I did everything right. Why in the world am I going through this? There's any person that could have asked this was Joseph. He did everything right and yet was still landed with slander and accusation. You see, have a godly character in the midst of false charges. That's what you do on the front end. That's what you do right now. Right now. No, not, not, not when it takes place. Not when you're in the prison change your character. Right now. When you leave this church, you strive to have that godly character so that when you encounter the problems, when you're thrown in the prison, just like Joseph was, you don't have to sit here, sit here and wonder, now, am I being placed in prison because of what I did do or what I didn't do? Godly character is the most important on the front end of this thing. But notice, not only have a godly character in the midst of charges, but also have a God confidence in the middle of fettered confinement. They threw him down in the prison. They threw him in the innermost part. Now look at verse 21 in 39. 39 verse 21. Uh, uh, excuse me. And No, look at verse 20. And Joseph's master took him, put him in the prison, uh, 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 a place where the king's prisoners were, no doubt the worst one he could find, no doubt the, the worst of the worst, threw him down the bottom of that prison, and he was there in prison. But notice verse 21. Turns on a dime. God interrupts. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. When one, when one has a godly character, one can have a God confidence. If you have a godly character, you can have a God confidence when you're thrown into that prison for a false accusation. You see, it is right where God interrupts is in our persecution. You, you may say, preacher, I'm trying to do right. Brother Ronnie, and it just seems like the whole world is against me. I want to show you what Joseph did here. I want to show you what Joseph had confidence in God about. Notice, first of all, have confidence in God's attendance. God's attendance. God wasn't MIA when Joseph was thrown into the prison, the worst of the worst. God didn't go missing. No, in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. You see, you may feel like a minority. You, you may feel as, as, as if uh, the Lord has left you and all of things have gone wrong. Everybody's turned against Him. That's what you can imagine that. All the accusations, all the looks. People used to have, well, i tell you what, you hear them down at the, down at the grist mill, at the local Egyptian mart. Boy, did you hear about Joseph? i tell you what, I thought Joseph, boy, I thought him more than that. I tell you what, I, I just thought Joseph had a, had a better character than that. I just, he always seemed like an up and up, but obviously not. We know now, don't we? We know who the hypocrites are. That's probably what they're saying about Joseph. We know who the hypocrites are. Oh, Joseph seemed like a stand-up guy, but look at what happened to him. Look at, everybody turned against him. And Joseph might have felt like the minority. But I tell you, when God is with you, you're always a majority. It said that God was with him. Romans 8.31 says, 
But if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Listen, you may be the only person that can stand to testify of your own integrity in the midst of persecution, in the midst of slander. But listen, you may be the only one, but you're a majority if you know that God is with you. If you can have an integrity to say, I know I did right, and God is with me. God was with Joseph. Yahweh. Notice the word God there. It's that word in all caps. God. Yahweh. Jehovah. The self-existent one. The all-powerful God was with Joseph. He's saying, Joseph, I'm on your side. Joseph, I'm with you. I'm right there on the boat with you. I'm right there in your jail cell. Don't worry about a thing. Have a confidence in God's attendance. God interrupted his confinement right there in the middle of a jail cell. God pulled up a chair and said, Joseph, I'm with you. I'm with you, Joseph. Don't, don't, listen, don't, don't fret, Joseph. I'm right there with you, with you. One Bible commentary said this. No evils which men can inflict can shut out the presence and favor of God from those who trust Him. And a servant in a dungeon may be more happier than a king on a throne. If you can have the, the purity of conscience in knowing that you did right, you'll be happier in a prison cell than you'd ever be on a throne. Amen. Listen, he had the integrity of knowing he was right. What precious promises we have from the Word of God concerning His presence. Isaiah 43, 2, When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. Though the rivers, sh- they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall flame kindle upon thee. The Jewish church was under tremendous persecution in the uh, early church period. Uh, pressure to renounce their faith. Yet in the book of Hebrews we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. The writer of the book of Hebrews told Paul, uh, told these, uh, uh, told these uh, Hebrew Jews that were being constrained to deny their faith, to walk away from Christ. He said, don't be covetous of them. You imagine how Joseph might have been covetous of the, of the other servants that were still in Potiphar's house. Why has this happened to me? Why can't I be back? And being covetous of the condition uh, that they were in, uh, in spite of his own. But here we find Paul, uh, the, uh, the writer of Hebrews saying, I am with you. That turns the tide. That changes the situation. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You see, have confidence in God's attendance. Are you hearing me? Are you noting this? This is going to help. You may not think so now. Down the road, this will help you. Notice, first of all, notice also, not only have confidence in God's attendance, have confidence in God's affection. Affection. Notice what he said in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And showed him mercy. That word mercy is the word which our church has studied before. The word hesed. It's a Hebrew word that often is translated loving kindness. You look up that definition. It's one of my favorite definitions. I did a whole series on Psalm 107 on that loving kindness. It's God's mercy. It could be translated mercy. It could be translated God's love. It could be translated as God's favor or God's grace. It is all that and a bag of chips rolled up into one. It is God's love, affection, mercy, grace poured upon Joseph. In the most unlikely of places, in a prison. You see, the Lord, He had confidence in God's affection. It is the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, all rolled into one. Joseph experienced more of the love of God. Listen to this. I thought this interesting. 
It never said the mercy of God was on Joseph in Potiphar's house. No. It said, listen, Joseph knew more about the love of God in the prison than he ever did in Potiphar's house. Now I want every one of you to raise your hand and tell me, have you experienced more of God's love, more of His grace, more of His mercy in the good times or in the bad times? It's the bad times, isn't it? Amen. Everybody say, now listen, you learn more about who God is and what He does and how He tends to our needs in the worst of times, not in the best of times. And here we find that the Lord was with uh, Joseph and He was merciful, loving kindness. You see, we can be confident of God's affection. We can have, we can not, well listen, I love that old phrase, you ever, you've heard it before, it's kind of cliche, when we cannot trace God's hand. Oh, if there's anybody who didn't know what God was doing, it was Joseph, did he? God, I did what was right. I, I, I did what I did was honorable. Nobody knows it but me and Potiphar's wife, and she's out there slandering me. You see, but but in the midst of when I cannot trace his end, you know where God's going in this, don't you? In the book of Genesis, God is taking Joseph and putting him at the right hand of the king. But it's sometimes it's got to go through the prison before you get to the palace. Here we find that when we cannot trace God's hand, we can always trust His heart. Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. When you cannot, trust, when you cannot trace God's hand, you can trust His heart. And know that the love of God is still with His children. The love of God is still with His own. We can have confidence in God's attendance and His affection. But last of all, we can have confidence in God's acquittal. Acquittal is making it right, in other words. You you see, when you're in the dungeon of persecution, whether at the hands of men or at the devil, God always has a way of making things right. My daddy used to call it. He'd tell me at school I had problems with boys at school and things like that. He said... Son, what goes around, comes around. God always has a way of acquitting the righteous, of setting things straight, of making things right. You, I like that old song, you can't keep a good man down. Righteous, listen, Joseph was righteous in his ways. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord in Psalm 37, 23. And we find that God has a way of acquitting, of making things right. Before the eyes. Look at what happened in verse 22. 23. And the keeper of the prison looked not at anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. You see, even in the prison house, God was able to justify Joseph before the eyes of men. It said that this prison guard didn't even look in on what Joseph was doing. Now remember his reputation is... He's a philanderer. He messed around with somebody's wife. He's not to be trusted. But here we find in the middle of this situation, God bringing acquittal to the whole matter of Joseph's integrity. See, God will make it right. God has a tendency to make it right. Psalm 105, 17-22 is a psalm concerning the acquittal of Joseph. Listen to what it says. He sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold as a servant, whose feet hurt with fetters, who was laden in iron until the time that the word came and the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent him, set him loose 
set and loosen him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him a lord over his house, a ruler over all his substance, uh, to bind the princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. God has a way of turning things around. Just like the wicked man who before the eyes of the world, you'd think get away with it. God always has a way of bringing that to light. But just to sow for the righteous men, when we do right, when we follow God, when we maintain our integrity, God has a way of rectifying, of acquitting us of the wrongs of accusation. You see, have confidence in God that He will make it right. Job 23.10, what a wonderful verse. But He knoweth the way that I take. Potiphar didn't know the way that Joseph take. The servants in the house, the prison guards, the king, they didn't know the way that Joseph take. But Job said, the Lord knows the way that I take. And when He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He said, when I come on the other side of this trial, God will acquit me. God will make it right. You may be wronged by coworkers, wronged by students, wronged by neighbors and maligned and slandered. God has a way. Maintain your integrity. and God has a way of making it right. Notice last of all, we've seen that if we're under persecution, we can flourish if first of all, we have a godly character in the midst of false charges. Second of all, if we have a God confidence, confidence in His affection, confidence in His attention, confidence in His acquittal, a God confidence in the middle of fettered confinement, last of all, have a God consciousness in the moment of favored circumstance. Now hold on with me. Stay with me here. Because here's where we always forget about our prison experience. Have a God consciousness in the moment of favored circumstance. Here's where many persons, families, churches, and for that matter, nations falter. When favor is shown, they forget the God that favored them. When you come out of the prison, when the euphoria of saying, yeah, yeah, I did what was right. God made it right. God rectified the situation. I've been acquitted. We tend to forget about the acquittal that God gave us. We tend to forget the favor that God's shown us. So when we go into these situations, in order to have a God consciousness, when you come out of the prison, you remember the Lord. Notice, first of all, we need to serve for God in acquired circumstances. Notice verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prisoner prison and whatsoever uh, they did there, he was the doer of it. Note that Joseph was not in his cell, moaning and whining, pooching his lip out. I, didn't, I did right and now look at me. I've done everything you've asked me to do, now look at me. Look at what I'm going through. Somebody have mercy on me. Oh, God. No, he did right. He served God even in the prison. He served God even in the acquired circumstances. No, he trusted God and he endeavored to serve God wherever uh, be uh, uh, and whatsoever he did. Wherever he was and in whatever he did, he looked to serve God. He took lessons uh, he took, like that saying says, he took lemons and made lemonade. Hey, Christian, that's what you're supposed to do. 
play with the hand you're dealt. If God sees fit to send you through trial and difficulty, despite your righteousness, despite what you've been trying to do right for God, listen, take lemons, make lemonade. That's what he did. He didn't sit in his cell and grill over to the side and seal his way off from the jail keeper and all the other inmates. No. He began to work for God even in the prison. Do that. Make lemonade for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.30 says, Whether therefore you eat or you drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 2.23 And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. You know that cruel taskmaster you have down, that, that, down at that job that cracks the whip all the time? It's all the time giving you trouble. You know what? You know what? You're not working for him. You realize that? You're not working for him. You're working for the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter uh, the endeavor you find yourself in, you are working for the Lord. I'm not working for Gethsemane Baptist Church. I've had it. I'm not working for you. I'm working for the Lord. That's what I do. I, I, I want to I serve God. And you as equal partners and disciples and participants in the New Testament church, you too, whether it is secular, whether it is uh, uh, ecclesiastical, church-wise, you are to do all things to the glory of God. If you're a plumber, be a plumber to the glory of God. If you're a mechanic, be a mechanic to the glory of God. If you're a sales clerk, be a sales clerk to the glory of God. You're not working for that boss. You're working for the boss. Amen. You see, he showed, he served for God in whatsoever circumstances he found himself in. Notice also, in Ephesians 5, 7, excuse me, 6, 5 and 6, it says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, and with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Yes, when your boss tells you to jump, you do say, how high, you know, the attitude is in the money of our workplaces, I just do a minimum just to get by. He's not going to boss me. I don't like when that boss talks to me like that. He said, do it with fear and trembling. As though Christ were giving you the commands. That's the kind of employees, that's the kind of husbands, that's the kind of children, teenagers, fathers, mothers, wives we are to be. We are to do all of our work as unto the glory of God. He served God in His acquired circumstances. He showed forth God in all circumstances. Notice verse 23. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because he, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You see, he showed forth in all the circumstances. The keeper of the prison saw the Lord. Notice that word again. He used that word, L-O-R-D, verse 23. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You know what that means? That means Yahweh. That means Jehovah. That means uh, uh, the ever-present, all-powerful God. He didn't say that the, that, that, uh, that, uh, that the, the, the God of Osiris or the God of Isis or the God of Ra was with Joseph. No, somewhere along the path, Joseph had made it clear who his God was. Joseph made it clear who his God was. You see, it was Jehovah. This means that somewhere he made it clear and plain that he was a follower of Jehovah. 
that the favor shown him, shown upon him, was the result of the favor of Almighty God. Show forth the glow, show forth God in every circumstance. Be God conscious in every conversation, in every opportunity. I work for God. I serve God. Make sure that everybody knows it. Knows that you're a child of God. Make His name known. You see, serve the, serve for God in acquired circumstances. Show forth God in all circumstances. Also, stand for God in advantaged circumstances. Now I'm going to fast forward you. Alright, we're going to skip a whole chapter. So take your DVD remote and skip a chapter. And we're going to go to the next chapter. I want you to turn to chapter number 41. And I'm going to give you some background. For two years, Joseph served God, showed God, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and showed God and served God down in that prison. For two whole years, he did that. But now finally, two years later, after some, some providential circumstances, uh, uh, Joseph is now standing before the king. Not under trial for some problem, but to render assistance to the king. Look at chapter 41. Go to verse 14. Go to verse 14. 41. Chapter 41, verse 14. Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the prison. And they shaved him. And they changed his raiment. And he came into Pharaoh. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. And there is none that can interpret it. I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Here's Joseph's big chance. This as an advantaged circumstance. Advantage. All the eyes are respectfully looking at Joseph. Here's the time to make his mark. Here's the time where he can, he can, he's going to have his way he can ask for what he wants. He, he knows he can do this. This is, a, a, this, is, this, this is a prime advantage situation. But notice what he said in verse 16. Listen, devil's on Joseph's ear. Joseph, you can work this out. I'm telling you, here's a chance to make some money. Here's a chance to set yourself for life, Joseph. Joseph, watch your words, Joseph. Make sure you say the right thing. But what does Joseph do? Look at verse 16. Joseph answered, Pharaoh saying, It is not me. God shall give Pharaoh answer of peace. You see, he could have said, Pharaoh, I got what you're looking for. I tell you what, I've been waiting on y'all call me. I tell you what, this, I, I got an idea. This is how it is. I'm, he's about to, he's about to hit the jackpot. He's about to, but all of a sudden, it's not I, but it's God. What did Paul say? Not I, but Christ. That's what, that's what Joseph had. A not I, but Christ kind of moment. You see, we need to have a God consciousness when we come to those advantaged circumstances. Advantaged circumstances. Yeah, he remembered that God had interrupted his lowest point in prison and that had shown him favor in the most difficult of circumstances. Look at verse 25 too. Verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. You see, he gave credit and glory to God 
even when it could have been an advantage in his own pocket. Remember God. Remember God. Have a God consciousness when you exit the prison. It's exactly what Joseph had. In closing, you remember Obadiah Holmes we talked about earlier? Obadiah Holmes flourished under the last of Bo- uh, the last at Boston Commons. Remember what he said? Remember what he said? Turn back to what he said. He said, I, 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 and with an audible voice, I broke forth praying unto the Lord not to lay this sin to their charge. God helped him do that. God didn't fail him, and he gave glory to God. Listen, God will run to your aid in the midst of persecution and slander. I know us Christian, American Christians, whine about persecution. We don't have any kind of persecution what is seen in foreign countries. I tell you what, a lot of Christians, when they come under that persecution, buckle. They buckle. It may be a snide remark for not looking at a dirty joke. It may be a snide remark for uh, for taking up for the name of God when it's blasphemed. You might receive a snide remark, a snide comment, but oftentimes a snide comment, a curt encounter with someone that you know doesn't like your stand for God can break a person, can break them, can cause them to wobble in their trust. I'm giving you things you can take home next week, put in your pocket, and when the boss don't do you right, you know for a fact that you're going to do one thing, you're going to have a godly character no matter what. No matter what comes along, I'm going to maintain my integrity. I'm going to keep a godly character. Number two, you're going to have a God confidence. It'll all be made right by Him. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to have confidence in God's love for me and God's presence with me that God will interrupt my persecution and make things right. But last of all, you're going to have a God consciousness when you walk out of the prison. That's so important. So many times we forget God's favor that He had on us when we were in the prison, when we come to some advantaged positions in life. God can interrupt our persecution. God can interrupt our persecution. Remember Joseph's instructions. Witness a good confection. Let's come to the instruments as we have a song of invitation. I'm done here. I'm finished with my message. What God has given me to get delivered to you. But my question is, where are you in this story? Are you in the prison? Are you been maligned and slandered? These are some things to take with you when you leave this place today. Let's all stand as we have a moment of invitation. Listen, there may be some of you here, some of you that don't know the Lord. Not every Sunday I'm able to come in here and preach on salvation. But I want to let you know this. In Hebrews chapter 11, it said that Joseph, we know that Joseph was a child of God because by faith, Joseph did such and such in Hebrews chapter 11. He was in the Hebrews Hall of Fame. By faith, he believed God. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you have never repented on purpose and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Realize that you've broken God's law. We've all lied, stolen, committed adultery. We blaspheme God's name. We've been disobedient to our parents. 
We've not always kept God in the forefront of our lives. I'm telling you, the, the Bible says in Jeremiah eleven three, Cursed is the man that continueth not to do all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. James 2.10 says, If you keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you're guilty of all. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that for those that do not believe that the wrath of God abideth upon them. Today is the day of salvation. If you have broken God's law and you've never come clean with God, you've never repented, put your trust in Christ. Today's the day of salvation. Christ died on that cross to pay your sin debt, put, putting, settling the whole matter. But you must receive. You must turn from living life for sin and self and turn to Jesus, trusting Him alone. Jesus said it, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Repent and believe the Gospel. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus today. The judgment of God hangs over the unrepentant heart's head. Why would you suffer the torment of hell? Why would you suffer the torments of everlasting punishment when the love of Jesus Christ is made manifest through the cross? But it will cost. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Him. Maybe you're here today. You've been maligned. You've been done wrong. Things haven't gone your way. Maybe you need to come down here and pray to God and say, God, I've been doubting you. I've been, I've been wondering where you are, but God, you're with me in this trial. I'm going to bank on it. I'm going to have God consciousness. You're going to see me through this trial. You're going to see me through this difficulty. And God, when I come out of it, you know what? There may be some of us here that have forgotten how God was with us in the prisons of the past. You need to come and ask God to forgive you. Come and, and let you continue to have a God consciousness in no matter what you do, in no matter where you serve, in no matter what advantageous positions you find yourself in. Whatever the need, whatever the matter, why don't you come down to this altar today? Put your trust in Jesus. Make things right with the Lord. What song number are we singing? 342. Just as I am, you come to Jesus today. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.